Just thank you, Father God, that you are the God of our life. And that, Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you are with us. Lord, no matter what we go through in this life, God, you are with us. And we thank you, Father God, that we don't have to do these things alone, that your presence will never leave us. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us right now in the name of Jesus. God, we open our hearts, God, because, Lord, we want to hear a word from you today. So speak, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we're going to be continuing the series. Uh, we had started a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't here last week. And we were talking about navigating through the trials of life. How many of you are going through a trial right now? I think just about all of us are going through a trial of some form or another. And so how many of you know that having the right perspective in your trial is very, very important? Understanding how God wants you to respond in a trial is critical to you becoming, you and I becoming what God wants us to be. Because how many of you know that trials are going to come? You see, just because you got saved and just because you have been washed again in the blood of a lamb does not mean that you're exempt from trials. Trials are going to come our way and there is no way around it. I, I told my uh, people a couple of weeks ago that we spend all of our lives trying to duck trials, don't we? We want to try to figure out a way to get around it. But the reality of it is, is that we live in a fallen world. The, this world is falling and, and in this world, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, but be of good cheer. Yeah, say it with some faith. Be of good cheer. Because we understand that Jesus has overcome the world. And so we can take comfort in that. In anything that we're going through, we can know that Jesus is still in control. One of the biggest challenges we face is moving forward in our trial. I mean, know that there are times when we are struggling and whatever it is we may be dealing with, and you can put a name on it, that, that the temptation sometimes is to quit and to give up. And, and oftentimes I've found that even in my line of work that I've seen people, even sometimes believers, that quit and give up even to the point of taking their lives because they don't understand how to deal with trials. And so we're going to talk about that today because, again, understanding how it is that God wants us to respond is very, very important. In fact, I know of a lady uh, who lost her husband about five years ago. And if you were to talk to her, she still, if you talk to her today, this was five years ago. If you talk to her today, you will think that she just lost her husband yesterday. And this is a lady that's been going to church all of her life. She has been going to church. She, she grew up in the church, you know, and, and she cannot figure out how to move forward. In fact, she often would say to me, you know what, I, I have no reason to live. And I mean, know that as believers, we have every reason to live. And and she says, I have no reason to live. And so what has happened is she has become stagnant. She has become ineffective. You know, God can't use her in that state because now she's sitting there and she's, she's still talking about what happened five years ago. Now, we're not saying that we shouldn't mourn and we shouldn't grieve. How I many of you understand that? All of us know that there's a time to mourn and there's a time to grieve, but there's a time when you got to move forward in God. If we're ever going to be what God wants us to be, we have to move forward, even though the trial is very, very difficult and the trial is very, very challenging. We have to move forward. Now, you're already in Exodus chapter number 14. Um, just kind of give you a little bit of a, a background. Um, many of you have heard of Moses in the Red Sea. Everybody knows of that story. Uh, you know, the children of Israel, they were being oppressed for well over 400 years. 
and they, was, uh, they were oppressed, and they were crying out to God, and they were asking God to deliver them. And so God sent Moses, and through a series of plagues, and with a mighty hand, God brought a whole nation out of bondage, and they were in the land of Egypt. And so uh, they, uh, through, through a mighty hand, God leads them out, and then we're going to discover that they run into a trial. Now, Pharaoh that. And, and so the children of Israel, they're moving forward in this challenge as they're going forward to the promise. Now, mind you, as they are coming out of Egypt, they are rejoicing. They are excited and they are happy about what God is doing. But then all of a sudden they run into a problem. You know, how many of you have been there? You're, you're excited and things are going well in your life and God is moving. And all of a sudden you look back and here comes another problem. And the children of Israel, they were thinking, man, we're, we're on our way here. We're on the move. Hallelujah. God just brought us out with a mighty hand. And they begin to shout and praise. But then they look behind them, and here come Pharaoh and his army all over again. Look at your neighbor and say, it's coming again. Now, let's pick it up in uh, verse number 9, chapter 14 in Exodus. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them by camping by the sea. And verse 10, as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because that there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in this wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. Forever. Verse 14. Then the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Look at your neighbor and say, go forward. As you stretch, as, as, as for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the mist of the dry land. Now, there are, there are a few things that we can learn from this story. The first thing that, that, that we can learn is that the Egyptians or the, 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 the army of Pharaoh were coming behind them. And how do we know that the, that the army, the Egyptian, represents the devil? It represents the devil and how that when God is working in our lives, the enemy is always trying to harass you. You see, the thing that we need to understand is that we are in a spiritual warfare. The Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, the enemy is always, listen, he's always looking for an opportunity to try to discourage us. And and see, when 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 the children of Israel, they look back, they got afraid because this thing looked big. How many of you have had trials like that? You look at it and it looks real big to you. It's like, wow, wow, I don't know I can, I don't know God if I can handle this thing. 
And the children of Israel, they got afraid because how many know that the enemy is always trying to intimidate you? When you're going through a tough time, the enemy always tries to put you in fear, and he is always trying to intimidate you. That is how he works. But our God is greater than Satan. I hear people all the time, you know, people talk about the devil. And, and I, you ever heard, heard Christians, they talk about the devil. And it's like every other thing they say, well, the devil made me do this. Oh, the devil's doing that. Oh, the devil's doing this. Oh, the devil's doing that. Oh, the devil did The devil did this to me today. You know, and one of the things I say to people all the time, you know, I don't listen. I know the greater is he that is in me that is he, than he that is in the world. I don't worry about, listen, I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the devil. I don't. I spend more time seeking the face of God. And we need to learn that as believers to stop talking so much about the devil. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices, but we should be, look, we should understand that our God is greater. And so, look, the enemy is going to do his thing, but how do you know that God is going to do his thing? And our God is an awesome God. Then the next thing that we can learn from this story is that they wanted to go back to their old ways. <laughs> Look at verse number 11. Uh, then they said to Moses, it is because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. Now look at this. They're going through a trial. They see this test ahead of them. Now, they had forgotten all about the fact that they had cried out to the Lord in their oppression. They said, God, deliver me. God, bring me out of this situation. This is bad. God, I can't take it. And then when they are confronted with a trial, now they're thinking, you know what? I'd rather go back to the old way of doing it. And that's one of the tricks that the devil tries to put on us. You see, I work, uh, I used to... um, go and minister to the inmates in the jail. And oftentimes I would, I would, uh, I would talk to these people and, and you know, oftentimes the conversation was always surrounding how they're going to get out, what they're going to do. I mean, they're coming to Bible class and they seem to be very, very excited and they're, they're just believing God. They want, I want to see my kids. I want to see my family. And, you know, and, and they're all excited. And so the conversation is all about getting out. Then when they get out, they recognize that because of the criminal record that they're having a problem trying to get a job. And then they see their family and they see their kids and they need money and see, and now they start to say, you know what? This is not really working. You see, I, I tried this Christianity thing. See, I'm trying to honor God. I'm trying to do the right thing. You see, they get out, they go to church, they do all the stuff, you know, that they're supposed to do. They're really, you know, they're, they're prayed up and they're thinking, look, God's going to move. And then when this trial comes and God don't move the way that they want God to move, now all of a sudden they're thinking, you know what? I may as well go back to my old way of doing things. And then they turn right back around and go back into the bondage that God had delivered them from. And then you find them right back where they are. You see, the thing about it, you know, listen, there are going to be trials that are going to come. Trust me. And so when when they do come, the important thing that we got to understand is that God is still in control. You see, their focus was on the problem and their focus was on the trial because they're thinking, God, I mean, I'm serving you. I'm doing everything I should be doing, God. God, I'm expected to get out of this. And and God, you're not moving like I want you to move. But how do you know that God's ways are perfect? And God has a purpose and a plan, and God don't think like we think. God's ways are higher than our ways. And so I wonder, and I always try to tell people, I say, listen, I, I used to tell them, I said, listen, you got to understand, you are going to experience some difficulty. 
You know, you're going to experience some trials, but be of good cheer. Stay in the fight and keep moving forward. You see, the temptation is when the trial comes, we want to stop. And we refuse to move forward into what God has called us to do. And so we have to have the right perspective. And then number, the third thing that we can learn from this story is that although they were complaining to Moses, they were really complaining to God. You know, oftentimes we get in a tough situation and then we just start complaining. We start murmuring and we start focusing on, you know, what, this is not going the way I wanted to go. And then sometimes we start to blame other people. And we look at other people and say, well, if that person hadn't done this to me, I wouldn't be in this situation. I start complaining and, and start murmuring. And how many know that one of the things God do not like, God does not like it when we murmur and complain. One of the things I learned about the Lord, the Lord don't move. <laughs> the Lord is going to be the Lord. And one of the things that he does not like is when we murmur and complain. And the important thing is that when we're going through a trial, that listen, I don't care what situation you find yourself in. You can find something in that to give God praise about. You can find something in there that you can worship God and give God glory, even in the midst of your trial, having a, listen, having a spirit of thanksgiving. God, and we're not saying, God, we're not saying we love the thing that we're going through, but what we're saying is, God, we thank you, Lord God, that you're conforming me to your image and that, God, that you're in control. And I know that I am going to get through this, God, if we stay the course and move forward. And so we have to learn how to not complain, but to, to be thankful and to be grateful that God is still in control. Let me tell you, that would change your attitude. It would change your perspective. And the fourth thing that we can learn from that is that Moses reminded them that the Lord will fight for you. The thing I love about the Lord is that we're not in this thing all by ourselves. I know sometimes when you're going through a trial, you, you, sometimes you think to yourself, I'm in this thing all by myself. Nobody really hears me. But Moses told them, look, stand still because you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And then he says to keep silent. And what that means is, look, stop trying to argue. Stop trying to figure it all out by yourself. Stop trying to take matters into your own hands. He is God, and God is the one that's going to fight your battle for you. You know, when you're walking with God, I tell people all the time, when you're going through a trial and when you are walking with God and when you're honoring God, God will honor that. And God will move on your behalf. You know why? Because you're not trying to do it all by yourself. And see, when we try to do stuff by ourselves, what happens is we get in the flesh. We get mad at people. We lose our patience. You know why? Because we're trying to fight this thing on our own. I am excited to know that God fight our battles for us. That he is the one that is in control. He is the great and mighty one. God is the one that is guiding our lives. Hallelujah. And then... The fifth thing that we can learn is that the children of Israel, they saw no way out of their situation. How many of you have been in a situation where you're you're confronted with your Red Sea and you can see no way out? You see, they look behind them and they see the army coming up against them. Now they're starting to scream because how many know that the enemy is always trying to intimidate you? He's always trying to to frighten you. And so they, they come up to this ocean and, and they're looking behind them and they see this mighty army and this was a vicious army. 
And they see this army, and all they see in front of them is a body of water. And so they begin to scream and say, we need, what's going to happen here? I see no way out, Moses. Moses, what have you done? Moses, what are we doing here? What have, we have no way out. And so they're screaming to Moses. They're all upset, and everybody's crying. And, and if you read the story, there wasn't a whole lot of praying going on. a whole lot of screaming and they're, they're in fear and, and they just, they just God, God, is, God is still in control. Even though, listen, even though you don't see a way out, doesn't mean that God don't see a way out. You see? And so as they're screaming and they're yelling, Moses said, God, and Moses himself, Moses even began to complain a little bit. And God said, why are you complaining to me? Tell my people to move forward. Move forward. Now, when they move forward, God moved. But God didn't move until they what? First move forward. See, God parted the Red Sea. Many of us have seen the story. And they walked on dry land. They walked and God made a way out of no way. But God didn't do that until they first took a step forward. And they moved on. Had they stayed there and not taken that step forward, they probably would have gotten destroyed by the enemy. Who knows what would have happened? But the thing that the thing that we got to get is that when you're going through it, when you see no way out, keep moving forward. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking the face of God. Keep on believing. Keep on going to work. Keep on eating. Keep on doing whatever you did. Keep moving forward in your trial. Keep moving forward. Don't listen. Don't let the enemy try to intimidate you and freeze you. Because we already understand that the trials are going to come, but God is greater. Look at the neighbor and say, God is greater. Cool. And when they moved forward, God parted a Red Sea. God moved. And then if you go on and read the story, all the, their enemies, their armies were drowned in the sea because God closed the sea up on them. But God brought his people out. And God is here to tell you that he's going to bring you out. Listen, I don't care what you're going through today. If you keep walking with God and you keep moving forward, God is going to bring you out. He's going to bring you out. Now, it may not always look the way you want it to look. <laughs> Let me qualify that. <laughs> because sometimes we have some expectations, don't we? And when our expectations are not met, <laughs> oh, we get real discouraged, don't we? But God is going to do what God is going to do. But listen, let God do what he do his own way. Don't you try to do it your way. Let God be God. God is calling us to keep this. Take a step. Just keep moving. And as you keep moving, slowly but surely, it's going to start opening up. And God is going to make a way for you. But you got to keep moving. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? God is with us. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. That's in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Many of us have heard of David and Goliath. All of us know about David. Um, David was anointed king of Israel. And, uh, and God had anointed him. And at the time, Saul was king of Israel. And Saul had knew that God had anointed David. And so Saul was jealous. And so Saul was trying to kill David. So David is on the run. And David ends up in the land of the Philistines, and he talks to the king there, and the king uh, gives David a place called Ziglag. 
And so David is here in this place, and, and David and all of his 600 men that are with them and all of their families. And so David and the men, they decided, they, they went out on an assignment, and when they come back, they find that Ziglag had been totally destroyed, that the city had been burned up, and that their families, their wives, their kids, and everybody had been abducted. And they had no, uh, they had no suspects. They had no idea who had did the abductions. So let's look at verse number one in First Samuel chapter 30. Are we there? All right, you guys, still, you guys still with me? All right, stay with me now. Smile in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Good. God is moving. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziglag and burned and had overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. Then they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off, and they went their way. Now, when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. How many of you have ever been there? cried till you had no more left. Now David and two wives had been taken captive. Verse, uh, verse 6. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. I'm not a broken record. I want you to get it. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Elimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought David the ephod, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to them, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. Now we understand David's plight here. How many know that if you had your whole family abducted and you had nowhere, you had no idea where they were, how many of you would probably qualify that as a trial, a crisis? <laughs> David is very, David is very, very upset. And all of his men, mind you, he got 600 men that are with him. So all of them, they lost their families too. And so what is, now listen, I want you to see what David is having to go through. Not only is David having to deal with his own pain, because the scripture says that they wept, that they had no strength in them. Not only did he have to deal with that, but he also had to deal with, the, with, the, with his men because they said, David, you're the reason and we're thinking about killing you. In other words, everybody was against David. He finds himself in a situation where nobody is caring about David. And not only David had lost his family, but these men, they were trying to kill him because all of them were upset. Now, let's see how David responded to this situation. The first thing it says is that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me say to you, I'm all for, you know, I think it's, I think it's important that we care for one another and that we share. But you know that there are some times that we just got to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. There are times when we're going through a trial. And I know sometimes we're looking for a word here. We're looking for a quick fix. And we just want somebody to quickly speak into our situation and fix it. But there are, there are those times when we must learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Nobody at that time was giving David any comfort. But David had an intimate relationship with God. And David said, you know what? David said, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. He didn't throw in a towel. He didn't say, look, I got, 
Nobody care about me. I don't know what my family is. They're talking about, you know, they're talking about killing me. God, what am I going to do? David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then David sought the Lord in the midst of his pain. That's important. You know, sometimes when you're going through a difficult time, when you're really hurting, there are going to be those times you feel like, you know, I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to seek the Lord. You know, I'm just right now, I'm just not feeling too good about that. And one of the things that we can glean from this story is that even though David was in great pain, David still sought the face of God. And, and listen, there are going to be times when you're not going to feel like doing it. But when you're going through a trial, listen, just go ahead and seek the face of God. Seek his face because, you know, there's, listen, I know a lot of people try to talk about it. They say, well, you know, you hear people say, well, I don't feel like doing this. Or, you know, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like going to church. Or, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like, how many know that your feelings are fickle? People try to, if you're going to sit there and try to wait until you feel like it. See, if I went to work, you know, when I feel like it, we'd be knocking on your door. <laughs> Can we come in? <laughs> we have nowhere to eat, nowhere to live. Feelings are fickle. And one of the things I learned is that we need to press into the Lord. Listen, respond in faith to what God's word says. And when you respond in faith, whether you feel like it or you don't, God will move. But re- listen, don't, don't, wor- listen, don't stop it. Don't think about what you don't feel like because you ain't going to never feel like doing right all the time. <laughs> and don't look at me like that. You're not going to feel like doing right all the time. But just go ahead and do what God's word says. And then what I find out, what I found out is, is that when you respond to the word of God in faith, your feelings will then follow. Don't try to be guided by your feelings and your emotions because they're up and down. Some of us are real moody. Hallelujah. Moody, moody, moody. So they're up and down. But then the thing that we can also learn is that David sought direction from the Lord. He was still committed to doing God's will. If you look at it in verse number eight, it says, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? Now, the thing I love about that is that David, even though he was hurting and even though he was going through a very difficult time, you know, he was still saying, God, I want to do your will. See, a lot of times we want to do our own thing when we're going through it and do it the way we want to. But David, David says, listen, God, now I still want you to give me some direction. And so when we're going through it, the thing that we need to say, listen, we need to come to this place where we're committed to doing God's will no matter what. Because a lot of times you're not going to want to respond to God in obedience. You're not going to want to do it. But we must press into that. And then finally, David saw victory because he believed that God would get him through his trial. And if you go on and you read the rest of that story, because I can't read it for time's sake, you will find out that when David sought the Lord, David went after his family and David got, went after the, after the enemies that had, had abducted his family. And David got everything back. He got all his kids, his wife, not, nobody, was, nobody had died. Everything was given back. But let me tell you why. One of the reasons why I believe was because that David sought the Lord and he stayed the course, even though it was very, very difficult for him. Even though it's difficult for him, God still gave David the victory. In other words, David moved forward. Look at your neighbor and say, move forward. Now, I'm coming down, getting close to the end. How are we doing? Can I get about five more minutes? Is that okay? All right. Give me, give me five more minutes. I'm, 
I'm going to try to be nice. I've been told I'm kind of long-winded, so I'm trying to do better with that. Y'all pray for me. Um, but, <laughs> but David had talked about how that he encouraged himself in the Lord, but he didn't talk a whole lot about how he did it. You see, one of the things about me is I'm very, very practical in my orientation. And, and it's one thing to say, you know, he encouraged himself, but, you know, I would like to know how did, how did you do that, David? I mean, I mean, this was a pretty bad situation. How did you encourage yourself in the Lord? How I many you want to know that? Good, I got your attention. Hallelujah. Well, the first thing is, these are some nuggets of truths that I have learned in my own walk with God. And many of you can identify with these. And the first thing that I learned to do when I'm going through a very, very difficult time is, is to praise and worship the Lord. Now, this band know what I'm talking about. These are worshipers. They know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. It is amazing that when I'm going through a trial, when I can get before the presence of God and just worship him. Because what I'm saying is that, God, I'm taking my eyes off of the problem and I'm putting my eyes on the one who can fix the problem. You see, God can fix the problem, whatever it is that you and I are going through. And so when I, I, it's, it's hard for me to explain it, but when, when I begin to let go and let God and just begin to focus on him and worship him, my problem becomes very, very small because I'm in the presence of omniscience, omnipotent, all-powerful God who can do great and mighty things. I know some of you say, well, I don't like to sing. I can't sing and music is not my thing. Listen, however it is you worship, you get before the presence of God because I'm telling you, when you get your mind on God and off the problem, you will experience God's peace. And all of us want the peace of God, don't we? We all want the peace of God. Then the the second thing is consistent prayer. Seeking the face of God. And you know what? And not just, but, 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 but prayer that is honest before God. You know, one of the things I learned a long time ago, that I can be honest with God. I had a, I had a situation years ago, and, well, I had, I had a boss that was giving me a very, very difficult time. And, uh, and he was giving me a very, very difficult time, and, and I remember just uh, struggling with him and, and all that he was doing to me, and I, and I just kind of went before the presence of the Lord one day. I came home. He was just harassing me, and, and I got into the presence of the Lord, and, I'm, I, and I, first I just cried because I was just so upset because I was humiliated. And I just cried, and then I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't like this man. God, I can't stand him. God, he makes me sick to my stomach, God. God, I wish you just get him, God. You know, he started praying those imprecatory prayers. God, just get him. God, I'm getting, you know. And then, but, but then after I did that, because see, I can be, see, we can be real with God. How many of you know that? God wants us, because God already knows what's in your heart anyway, whether you say it or you don't. <laughs> so you might as well say it, right? <laughs> now, we're not saying to be disrespectful to God, but the thing that I, the thing that I love is that, that I can be honest and I can pour out my heart to God. But then I came to that place. I said, God, nevertheless, let your will be done. You see? So it's okay to vent, to, to say to God the way you feel, but when you get up off your knees, you have to come to that place. And don't you get up until you can come to that place where you say, God, your will be done in this situation. Because it's all about God's will. And God knows your situation and he knows your plight. And he is fully in control. And then 
speak the word of God over your situation. <laughs> you know, if you're struggling with a need, you know, quote the word of God. That's why, you know, we hear me talk a lot about our people. I talk a lot about this word and reading the word of God because, you know, we are church. We, we teach you the word because I believe that there's power in this word. And a lot, enough of us don't read this thing on a regular basis. There is power in this word. And as we begin to read the word, when we get in trying situations, you know what's going to come out of us? The word. But if you don't spend no time in the word, you know what's going to come out? Flesh. I want to do it my way. Burger King. Is it Burger King or McDonald's? I'm not sure. Okay, have it my way. <laughs> Speak the word of God. If you're feeling lonely, Jesus said, I will never leave. He will never leave me nor forsake me. You see? And so when you're going through a difficult time, what I find is that find a scripture, post it on the refrigerator, whatever you got to do, place it in your car and just, and just pray that scripture. And just walk on that thing and hold on to the word of God in your midst of your difficult situation. And then number four, resist the urge to isolate. You know, that's one of, that's one of the devil's biggest tricks is that he want to get you by yourself. <laughs> he want to get you away from the other body, the other body of believers. He want to separate you, get you into a little corner and so that he can begin to whisper to you. You know, them people don't really care about you. I mean, nobody has called you. It's been, a, it's been two days. Nobody has called you. Those people don't care about you. I mean, it's like, it's not like the pastor is going to pay all your bills. <laughs> I done read somebody's mail, haven't I? <laughs> but see, the thing about it is that's how the devil does. He gets you into a little corner and he begins to whisper all these things to you. And so what happens is then you begin to isolate yourself. And then all of a sudden you start looking around. Where's brother so-and-so? Where's sister so-and-so? See, they're going through a difficult time, and it, it's just, you know, they just have separated themselves. And one of the things I find is so important is when you're going through a difficult time, you know, obviously you want to first seek the Lord, but, but you know, you need to stay in fellowship with other believers. Because, you know, there, I can, I can, there's a problem that all of us go through, trials that we go through. And, you know, it's comforting to me if I'm going through a situation and I can go to Mark and I can talk to Mark about my situation, and Mark can tell me, you know what? I've been through that before. And here's how God moved in my life. Absolutely important to stay in fellowship with, 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 with the body of believers. Don't listen to the devil when he would try to get you away from the, from the people of God, from the things of God, from serving God. I mean, if you find yourself isolated, resist that. Just get up, get on the phone. Listen, call me. Call me anytime you want to. Call somebody. But whatever you do, don't isolate because that's a trick of the enemy. And then finally, everybody say finally. Look at Philippians chapter number four. It's in the New Testament. You guys have been so patient with me. Philippians chapter number four. Finally, we must think positive biblically. (laughs) I want to qualify that. You know, you, you hear today a lot about thinking positive. And you hear people talk about positive thinking. And you know what? I'm all for positive thinking. But to me, positive thinking is thinking the way Jesus thinks. <laughs> That's positive thinking to me. If it's not the way that Jesus would think about a situation, I don't care what people say, it ain't positive. Positive thinking to me is thinking the way that Jesus thinks. 
And he and Paul here gives us kind of an insight. And he wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. Now, he wrote this book when he's locked up in jail. And here's what he says. Philippians chapter number four, verse eight. Are you there? Amen. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right. These are the things we need to be thinking about. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. (laughs) The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I want to ask the band to come up. Think positive. He says, whatsoever is true, that is, things that are not false or unreliable, whatever is noble, things that are honorable, whatever is just, things that are righteous toward God and man, whatever is pure, things that are of high moral character, things that are lovely, that which is admirable, a good report, fair sounding, praiseworthy, something that deserves to be commended. So we need to think the way that God thinks in our situation because ultimately God is at work to conform us to his image. Amen? And as we begin to think like God thinks about a situation, we will find that our lives will be much, much more peaceful because we have the mind of God and we all need the mind of God in our situation. Amen? There are four things I want you to remember when you're going through your trial. And the first one is that this is kind of summing up everything we said, is that God is with you. Don't worry about how you feel. You follow me. Don't meditate on how you, God is with you because he said, I will never leave you. And he said, I will never forsake you. And how many know that God is not a man that he should lie? God does not lie. And if God says that he's with you in your trial, you know that he is with you. And then don't quit. Don't give up. No matter how difficult it gets, don't get up. Don't give up. Keep seeking the face of God. Surround yourself with other believers. Believe in the Lord. And then when you're going through a test, don't be surprised and panic. You know, the Bible says that thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial that's come up against you. Don't think it's strange. Like, why did this happen to me? I mean, why me? Why not the person down the road? Why me, God? He said, think it not strange. Because God moves in that situation. And then we must move forward. Move forward in the test or whatever, whatever you're going through. Move forward in God. Keep moving in God. Amen. I just want to take a moment and uh, I just want you to bow your head. Just close your eyes. That's just what I want everyone to just focus on the Lord. Let God speak to your heart. And I want to, I want to just uh, take a moment and just pray over you. If anybody in here that is having a trial or struggle right now, something you're going through, and I just want to agree with you. I'm going to ask you to come up. I want to pray with, pray with you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want to pray over you that God would just move in your situation. And so I want to give you that opportunity that we can agree with you in prayer that God will move in your situation. If you desire prayer, I want to just take a moment and you can come up and we'll pray with you. Hallelujah.
you're a great God. Thank you, Jesus. How great is our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. wanted to, to share something that God has showed me um, for you guys. Um, when I found out that we were coming here, I, I began to pray, and I asked God to give us give me a word. And I kept hearing him say, the only way out is through. And with that, the other thing that I heard him say is, I want to do a brand new thing. And when he gave me that, he confirmed it in his word, because I always ask for confirmation. And he took me to Isaiah 43:19, and it said, "For I'm about to do a brand new thing." He just wants to do a brand new thing in you, and it's so awesome. The word that he gave today was um, exactly an analogy that the Lord had showed me probably a couple weeks ago. And this analogy that he showed me was, um, I was driving in a line of traffic. And I was behind all these vehicles just trying to hurry and get through to where I was going. And, but the traffic began to stop, and all these people were pulling over to the side of the road. And as they were pulling over to the side of the road, they were trying to turn around and go back where they came from. But with me, I just kept looking forward, and I kept trying to see, well, why is it that they don't want to move forward, Lord? And I saw this body of water with a bridge. And the bridge was submerged underwater. And that right there showed me, well, this is why they were, they were afraid. You know, they wanted to go back. But, you know, the Lord wants you to press through your pain. Because it's pressing through the pain that's going to bring forth your healing. So if you are struggling with something, if, you're, if it's a divorce, if it's financial, if it's just whatever it is, the Lord wants you to press through that pain because it's through that pain you're going to get your healing. The other verse that he showed me to confirm that was in Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters in great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. And the flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. So it's just like I said, when you're going through rivers of difficulty, you know, you can either, it's going to either force you that you could drown or it's just going to make you grow stronger in the Lord. So I just encourage you to just allow God to take you through what you're going through and he'll strengthen you through it. Amen. Amen. Good word. Give the Lord a praise for that word.